let's be honest. How many times have you opened your color cabinet and you're like, ah, I'm going to order five sixes and I'm going to order like all these shades. And you just haven't been conservative because you've never really had to. Cause you're like, well, mm-hmm. I'm just going to spend what I spend. But if you have a, not necessarily a budget, but you know what you are, what you're allowed to spend for your expenses for that week, you're going to go in and be like, okay, what do I really need? Welcome to the Messy Hairstylist Podcast. I'm Kelsey Morris. And I'm Abby Warther. Whether you are a mess literally or figuratively, we are here to help you take imperfect action to find your success as a hairstylist. Oh, Abby, we we have a hard time introducing our topics every week because you always start with like, I have a question. question. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And I always start. I've trademarked that over the weekend. So just so you know, you can't do that now. It's mine. Okay. Well, I I always start with, hi, Abby. Yes. Okay. So hi, Abby. Hi. Hi. It's so beautiful here in Ohio. We have some gorgeous sunny weather. And, you know, I felt like what a better day than to go into a hard hitting topic. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. Let's just bring it down. Let's, Let's just bring, bring down, down the beautiful weather and the great mood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are we going to talk about? What am I going right. to feel depressed about the rest of today? Okay. But you're not going to feel depressed because at okay. the end of it, you're going to feel empowered. Feel empowered. Okay, great. Okay. Right. Great. Okay. Great. But we're going to start with this. Okay. You know, Abby and I are both salon owners mm-hmm. and um, we have come a long way in our salon businesses. Mm-hmm. But did you know? that 80% of salon businesses fail in the first 18 months of opening. Wow. 80 in the first 18 months. I know that there's like some sort of statistic about um, five years in only a a percentage make it past five years, but wow, that's huge. Right. That actually shocks me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so when I was researching topics, I was trying to figure out you know, something different that we could talk about that was a little heavy hitting, but also keep it, keep it light. So I dove down into this. Well, let's talk about salon ownership. Why do people what, fail? Let's keep it right. light. Why do people fail? Why do people fail? I was trying to figure out what that statistic looked like. And I thought maybe like 50%, 60 yeah, max, 80. but 80 is staggering. In the first year. That is interesting. Okay. Let's get into it. What do you got? Okay. So there are three main reasons why, why we fail in the first 18 months. And, um, I, I refuse to tell you what those three. Yeah, I know. I have no were. idea. Yeah, no. And so I'm going to make you guess. Can you give uh-huh. me, I know it's so mean, okay. give me one reason why you think one main reason. I mean, there's plenty yeah. of reasons, but let's go for the biggest reasons. What's reason, one reason that you think. I mean, I think that the biggest reason people fail is that they don't have their finances sorted out at all. Like they spend more than they make. Um, they don't know what their profit is. They're just clueless. It's just money in and out. And then they wake up one day and oops, I have no money. I need to shut my doors. Yes. So that is definitely a main reason. And we call Mm -hmm. that inadequate planning. Well, inadequate yes. planning is is one of the main reasons why why we are failing in the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did you know that twenty nine percent of small business owners they fail because they they lacked a business plan and they simply run out of cash. They run out of yes. cash. There's right. nothing left. Right. So, so I think it's important for us to not only like you know kill everybody's like entrepreneurial spirit today. Like, let's try not to do that. Instead, let's explain and talk about 
like when you opened your salon, when I opened my salon, what was most important in your planning process? Ooh, I love this. Okay. I mean, I, I, do we want to just focus on the finance part? All of it. Let's just like, let's just like give little snippets of all of it. Yeah. Um, so opening up my salon, you know, it's interesting because I start out as independent, but then those principles that I used to then expand to a commission salon and purchase a building and everything all carried over into the same. And it was 100% from planning properly and also being ultra conservative financially. So going from a commission employee into a independent salon suite, I number one knew I needed to set up my business properly, which we've talked about before on the podcast. Um, but that also meant financially. And I was afraid, I was actually afraid to make money in a good, in a good way. I was afraid to bring in all the money. And because I've always been used to being paid out as a commission employee, uh, I was afraid to make all the money and, and do exactly what people have done that have failed. Obviously now we know this and, and, um, not, and, and, and spend too much and not know what is where, how I should pay myself basically. So I think that was one of the number one things is I figured out how to conservatively pay myself so that I never had that problem. So I I do think that that was probably the biggest core thing that helped me within two years, purchase a building and all those kinds of things. Absolutely. You know, when I went independent, um, I really, I, I can honestly say I probably started the wrong way. Um, I did not do the whole pay yourself thing. It was more like, oh, let's just, you know, whatever comes in, I'll pay this and pay that. Yeah. And right. And I'll just take, take what I take and then spend what I spend. So a big piece of advice for adequate planning would be right out the gate, right out the gate make separate accounts. And instead of taking everything and putting it all into one account and paying from bills from there, pay yourself, decide what you need to be paid to sustain yourself and live the life that you want to live and then pay yourself that every week or every other week, rather than putting it all into one account and paying bills and, and supplies, and then spending frivolously from there. Right. Would you agree? Yes, for sure. Like one of the things that I did, the thing that I did, and I, now I pay myself a salary, but it's kind of the same idea I did for many, many years was I paid myself a commission rate. Mm, That's That's, interesting. That's what I did. And it's actually what I set up all of my stylists who rent from me. I, or at least I suggest for them, like, cause that's the number one question. When stylists go from being employed to being independent, how do I pay myself? And so I always have them set up themselves up on a commission rate. So I tell them that conservatively with what our rents are in our area and stuff, you can pay yourself 65%. And then the rest of that is left over for rent and color and supplies and things like that. And then also take a percentage of that and set that aside for taxes as well. And so if you just do that from the beginning with our industry, you should always be able to pay yourself. Yes. Always. Yes. Always. So if you set it up like that from the beginning, it's kind of like the whole idea of profit first. You pay yourself first and then you put your money into other things. And I think that um, now that I think about it, one of the things that really made me protective of the finances from the from the beginning was actually a TV show. Mm. 
So I don't know if you ever watched this. I'm a huge Bravo fan. And back in the day on Bravo was the show, um, Sabbath. Tabitha Salon Takeover. Yes. Uh, Everyone yes. knows Tabitha Coffee, right? If you're a hairdresser, you had to watch that show, right? Yes. If not, watch it. Watch and I, it. And I'm pretty sure I wasn't even going, I was in college. I didn't even go to hair school yet when that show was out. I just was right. fascinated by it. And I, one of the things I really remember from every single episode of that show, they'd go in, the salons would be dirty. They would be doing terrible hair. They weren't, you know, they were, they were almost were to that point where they needed to shut their doors. And every single salon owner says, I haven't paid myself a paycheck in five years. Right. That's so and sad. I, and I was always like, how is that? And it's because they were just doing a cash flow thing and taking money as needed. And then that's how their salon finances were slowly bleeding out. So if you set up your business from the get-go to pay yourself first and then allocate the rest of the funds to support the business then you're never going to overspend beyond your means. Which people think that there is a negative connotation to that where, you know, well, I need to take care of all my expenses before I pay myself. But if you look at it from this perspective, if you pay yourself, let's be honest, how many times have you opened your color cabinet and you're like, eh, I'm going to order five sixes and I'm going to order like all these shades and you just haven't been conservative because you've never really had to. Cause you're like, well, mm-hmm. I'm just going to spend what I spend. But if you have a, not necessarily a budget, but you know what you are, what you're allowed to spend for your expenses for that week, you're going to go in and be like, okay, what do I really need? Yes. What do I really need to spend money on this week? No, I don't need the most expensive from our foils this week. I can, I can yes. use this. No, I don't need to go and buy this brand new keratin smoothing treatment because it's the coolest thing. Yes. I need, I only have this amount to spend this week because I paid myself mm-hmm. and I am going to be okay with Yeah. Would have. you rather have color and stuff sitting in your cabinets that you're not using or actual money to live off of? Right. So we have to change our, we have to shift our mindset a little bit about paying ourselves and also, you know, having our supplies and our things like that. Well, and it's so why I, I love um, two things. One, the book Profit First. It is I know. completely based off of that. And then also um, my friend and mentor, Cash Lawless over at Millionaire Hairstylist, they go off of those principles and they teach you exactly how to do that. And I just think I've, I'm always learning that stuff. Even if I, I am practicing it, I always like to read the book, go through the courses just to be like, okay, I am doing it right. Just to, um, just to give myself that confidence, like, okay, I'm still doing it right. And I'm still doing the strong and let's keep going. So absolutely pay yourself first. You have pay to pay yourself first. And so that leads me into something else. You know, if you are about to go independent or opening a new salon, one thing that is, you know, that does cause businesses to fail is the fact that when you go to buy all your supplies, you have to buy that, spend that money all up front. And I know we have talked in previous episodes about you. And when you were like, oh my gosh, I have to build out this place and I have to spend all this money. Mm -hmm. And and that's very financially stressful. So if that is something that um, you're thinking about and looking into, you know, a lot of the big distributors offer, like they do have credit cards that are very like no interest, um, that you could potentially do to, to save some cash flow for, for things for rainy day. So look into all your options before you just go and spend every dollar you have, hoping you're going to make money the next week and you're gonna be able to pay it back. 
And here's something I have to say about if you are opening a new salon or going independent for your first time, this is something I say to my renters that are going independent for the first time. Um, When you go to, you got to purchase that big color order. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's the biggest one. It's painful. Is the the color. And I know that no distributor would would love me saying this, but I'm going to say it. Do not buy the kit. Do not buy the big color kit. Don't. Don't. Why? Oh, because, okay, you're going to get a couple bottles of developers, some bowls, a color book and stuff like that for free, right? Um, You're getting an entire color line. So you're either going to get one of each color. Who needs just one tube of something? Right. Let's be honest. We need six tubes of 600, you know? (laughs) Yes. But we need zero tubes of one end. Right. Right. So you now have a, a one and a two and a three, you know, and, and then all the point ones and all the things that you're not going to use or these coppers and all these reds, is that your clientele or not? Right. So I tell stylists to not buy that kit and cherry pick off the ones that you need to start with. But I do believe that every single stylist should have a almost complete color line in their cabinet. I do believe I, that. I agree. And you know, when I but to just... start, start with those cores that you Basics. know, and then start building, building. As the money starts to come in and right. then know where you're building up to. Um, one of the things I see, sorry to cut you off, but I just had the, have this thought that I don't want to forget. Um, one of the things I've seen with some stylists who haven't worked for me, but just in over time is they literally look at their book for that day, that week, and they go by the color that week. Absolutely. Do not be that stylist. That, right. if you didn't listen, is a transactional hairstylist. Boom. Transactional. Two episodes ago. Because when they come in and they want something different, you don't have the color You're to done. do it. So yeah. forget or it. Or their hair lifted weird and you don't have the right. You have nothing to fix owner. it. Yeah. So well, sorry, I had to get that. No, what I was going to say is when I opened up Revere, my new salon, um, I did do a color kit, but they but. let me choose the colors that I got. Oh, great. so I, I wasn't stuck with like, you have to have one of, one of this. So there are, be sure if you are looking into color lines and you are going to go the color kit route where, and what, what a color kit is, is it's a big, like they give you a discount off of it and they give you extra freebies and things like that. Make sure it's something that you can customize that you're not stuck with yes. whatever colors they send you. And so it works for me, but not every color line does that. So that's what Abby's talking about. Okay. Yes. We need to talk about our second reason. Hey, don't make me guess again. Just tell me. Oh, you have to guess. Just guess. I, I don't know. Um, another no. reason why people fail within the first year, um, they don't know how to market their business. They're not getting a new business. You're Am so close. Okay. You're so close. <laughs> but it, it does have the word market in it. Okay. Um, it's the failure to understand the market, yeah, your market, okay. where you're yeah. at. Okay. I'm going right. to say I was right. Yeah, you were right. I was right. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> okay. Right. Tell me more about it. Okay. So obviously everybody is in a different market area. Okay. So being in New York and doing hair is a lot different than being in small town, Ohio Mm -hmm. and and doing hair. Mm -hmm. Your market has to affects everything, right? Your pricing, how you're going to market yourself, Mm -hmm. like you said, Mm -hmm. Um, the type of salon that you're going to have, the experience for your guest, all of that plays into it plays into a bigger picture for what your guest is going to experience and how well you're going to do as a salon owner. So I think it's important to take time to like conduct research about not only, you know, the, the type of services that you want to offer, but your pricing and, and the guest experience and what they're looking for in that area. So a stylist in New York is going to want to go into a very high end, 
bougie salon. They're going to want to be pampered. They're expecting to pay very high prices, but they're also expecting very high-end services with, you know, wine and, and all these things. Maybe you're, you're a small town hairstylist and that's not what's important to your clients at that time. So it's about doing research and understanding your market. Yes. And so what that says to me is do not get caught up in the social media game of following Mm -hmm. people from all over the country and basing what you think their business is from the outside and what they're putting forward facing onto social media and thinking that's what yours needs to be. Because um, if you try to use that as the core of planning your business, you will not be listening to your market. It's all about listening and paying attention and being observant to yeah, your local market. And and if you are obviously if you're opening a salon, I hope that you have some sort of clientele, you know, current clientele or any, or something like that. Um that you start there. Right? You start with your current clientele and be like who are the clients that I love? What type of people they are? That's where I think your market research should start with your own business. Market research the crap out of your own business and then start to expand on that and be like, how can I attract more people like the people I want more of in my chair? And what does that look like? What's that price point like? What Send them surveys. What kind of experiences are they liking in your salon? What would they like to see more of? It is scary to survey our people, but if you really want to grow and have a successful business, we have to be open and curious and ready to receive that feedback so that we can grow a good business. Absolutely. I love the idea of a survey. You said that. I was like, Ooh, I want to do a survey. I love love a a survey. Who doesn't love a good survey? I love surveys. You do get nervous when you open up those responses. You're like, Oh, covering your eyes. But, um, it's always so good. It's always better than you think. If you're surveying people, you probably have a really good business. I love that. I'm going to survey. So with the pricing, situation. I'm, yeah. I'm curious when you were working on your pricing, when you were first, mm-hmm. don't, don't do now, don't do now. Yeah. yeah. Think about when you were first, like going independent or when you were starting to open up your salon. Oh yeah. I love I, this topic. Did you research everybody around you? Like I pulled like no. stylist. I did. I mean, mm-hmm. and I would like look and see, okay, what's, what is, I don't want to use the word fair pricing, but what fair. is, com- like, what is, what am what is my competition doing? What is, what can I compete with in my area that Mm -hmm. doesn't seem crazy high, but I'm not low. I'm like right in the middle. So I probably pulled every salon in the greater Columbus area and every stylist to see like where they were at, what they were doing, what their work looked like. Mm -hmm. I love that. Actually, you, what you hear, you actually hear two different things from that concept. You hear, actually, you hear a lot of people saying, don't do that. Don't base your prices off of what other people are charging around you. But what you did was not that you actually did full-blown research. You didn't just be like, well, that's what these people are charging. So I'm going to have to charge that, or I'm going to go lower so I can Mm -hmm. get thinking it's going to help you like get those clients when no, it's actually the opposite, but you actually did the research just to know, just for the knowledge. And that's, what's important. It's not like you saw, okay, this, this, ABC salon over here is charging this. So this is what I'm going to charge. It sounds exactly. like you didn't do that. No, no, no. I, I just, just wanted to understand. You want the information, understand it. Yes, because that's what clients do. So when there are people out there that are teaching, don't look at your local competition to, to set your pricing. You're not going to copycat anyone's pricing as a just no. because, but getting that information is so powerful because that's what clients are doing. 
it's what clients are doing. It's understanding your market. It's understanding not only your client market, but also I don't want to say compet competition because I'm not a big like, oh, competition with other hairstylists, but it is at the end of the day, what other hairstylists are doing, understanding what their market is like. So I think that is important to do Mm -hmm. research and not just the area that you're in, the clients that you want to have, but also the other stylists around you. So I did not, I didn't do any of that. And mine was all based off of fear. So when I left the commission salon I was at, I kept my prices the exact same that they were. And at the time in my area, they were not the cheapest prices at all. And they were probably a little bit more on the more expensive prices, but still they were way too cheap because my area at the time was charging way too little for hair in general. And what that did was, so I don't recommend anybody do that. Just take your current prices and just keep them going. Really take a step back and do what Kelsey did because what that did, let me admit this, for probably the first six years of being independent and owning a salon and basing all of my commission employees prices off of, we bundled our prices and I only charged $10 for a haircut if somebody was getting hair color. I know. Yeah. I wish everybody could have seen my face. I just looked at her and opened my eyes. I've never seen her um, speechless. Speechless. So that's what that did for my business for way too many years out of fear or out of this is what this area does because that is what the area did. And that's what clients were used to. And so after a while with going through trainings and just getting more education myself in business and in the salon industry, I realized I have to rip off the bandaid and unbundle my prices, which was the scariest price increase I've ever done. And so when stylists tell me they're afraid to raise their prices, five, 10, $20, nothing scarier than unbundling, nothing. Unbundling. It was, it was terrifying. At the time I was a $55 haircut that however many years ago I did that. If I would have stuck with that pricing still to this day, which I know hairstyles still do that. I know they still do that in my area. Um, I There's no way I'd be doing what I'm doing now. No way. Right. No way so, that I have the business that I have. Because now I'm a $125 haircut. Wow. And I was Can you say that louder 10, for the people in the back? <laughs> I was charging $10, I don't know how many years ago, maybe six years ago for a haircut when somebody got hair color. And now it's $125. Wow. $125 haircut. That's, that's impressive from $10, especially. Yeah. Okay. So we have one more point to make on this Yeah. and are you going to guess? Oh God, you're killing me today. Okay. So fun. So, all right. The first one was, okay. um, the, like not having your fine, not planning your business. Well, not your finances, right? right? The really? second yep. one was not knowing your market and, and uh, doing your business off of there. Um, gosh, what would be a third reason that people's business? I'm going to give you a hint. First year? This okay, is yeah, more, hint. this is more for, um, bigger salons who have multiple people in them, not necessarily someone who's going into a suite. So does it have to do with like not being able to support their payroll? Close. It's hiring the wrong people. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't have a, a, a multiple location salon, but I have been there. You have been there. And I feel like this is great. Who has it? I am there currently. Even if it's with an assistant. Right. Yes. Right. So let's see. It says 
more so 23% of startups failed because they did not have the right team. Yeah. And so oh, what is, what is the right it. team? What is the right team? What do you, what do you think when I say that? The right team, what I know now after making mistakes is hiring people that know more than you hiring people that are good at the things that you are not good at mm-hmm, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. hiring people because it's an easy hire a cheap hire an ego boosting hire all of these things or like just hiring okay how about this if you own a salon you want to have employees you just hire a bunch of employees because it makes you look good right just so you can have chairs filled right right yeah. yes that oh for sure yes oh. I, you know, when I read that it, it was, wow, that makes perfect sense to me. When I opened the Sydney co, which is my booth rental salon, I was very, very picky. And it's so interesting when I'm reading through these things, I'm like, wow, I did all these things, right? Like I actually did them right because I was so picky about the the people that I brought into my business. Mm -hmm. I knew that I had to rent chairs, but I wasn't going to rent them to just anyone. And I turned down like eight people before I filled every chair because I knew they weren't a right fit. And I didn't let my ego get in the way or the need to have money to to sustain this business get in the way of seeing the bigger picture, which is if you don't have the right team who are bringing positive energy, who are successful and good at what they do, and you're just there to fill a chair, that's going to go wrong real fast. And now I am in a commission salon, which is getting even more challenging because- oh yeah. Right. So they are actually employees of mine. So I am not only responsible. Totally different dynamic. Totally different dynamic. Yeah. Hiring needs to be different. It's totally different. And, but still I have managed to see past the need to just fill chairs with people and bodies rather fill chairs with the right personalities and the right, the right stylist who has a good work ethic. Um, So I think for me, that looks like obviously in our industry, there can be a lot of drama, especially when it comes with um, lots of personalities, lots of women in the same place, or even even men. And, and I don't want to say women. No, let's not say yeah, that. Let's, let's retract that. that. Let's but retract. let's say it's 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 a di- different dynamic and a different service, and so there is a lot of heart and emotion. Well, there's in a lot of competition industry, in style, male or female. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a lot of competition um, because you feel like you know my client your client. I want the long client. What is it? Yes. Like, what is it? It gets very complex. So here's what I want to say. Like, so that's the hard part. Like you are saying how you have been very protective of who you hire for the right personality. Same, same, same. However, it is the hardest thing for me as a salon owner, whether I've had employees, because we've you and I have kind of flipped. You start out with renters, I start out with employees, okay. and now you know, um, whether it's employees or renters, the hardest thing for me to learn, and I'm still just getting better at it, is being able to see through things and thinking I'm hiring the right person and the right fit and the right personality. But then a few months in, you start to see sometimes a different side. Yeah, that's so it, hard. It, it is so difficult. And um, I'd have to say, if you're someone that's in that role that is hiring or bringing on renters, <laughs> it, this is a terrible, annoying answer, but it is so such the, the true answer. In order to make better hires, bring the right people in, you actually have to work on yourself 
first. Yes. You have to know yourself. You, you have to know, you have to be so real with yourself and know your own strengths, your own weaknesses, your own triggers, your own motivators, all of those things. Because if you don't truly understand yourself um, and your expectations of yourself and other people, you will never hire the right people because you don't know what the right people are for you, mm-hmm. for I you, agree. because we all have different right people for our businesses because we all have different personalities as, as leaders. I agree. So it is so difficult to hire and, the right And people. don't you feel like it's so important to, as a leader in this, in, in this industry, in this environment to set expectations right out the gate Yes, um, to be like, okay, here is what I will tolerate. Here's what I won't tolerate. These are my un, un, unnegotiables. Is that the word? Non- unnegotiables. Non-negotiables. <laughs> These okay. are my, you're, you know what your, your laptop has a charge right now. So that's all that matters. It does. I don't let's, care what you say. <laughs> it's, it's got a whole, 19%. Okay. So great. we're good. Yeah. We got a whole yeah. bunch of time here, but yeah. with non-negotiables right out the gate, we, yeah need to be set and understood. And Patricia, our business coach mm-hmm. told me early on that it was important when you're bringing on a new hire to do a 90 day trial period contract where mm-hmm. they have 90 days and that you can let them go for any reason. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I think that's brilliant because and they can get out for any reason and they can get out for any yeah. reason yeah. because I think it sets the standard of this is what I will accept. This is what is expected. And if it doesn't work, it maybe is not even a them issue. It's maybe not a you issue. It just doesn't. doesn't yes. Work. It doesn't mean anyone's right or wrong. Yeah. So what's interesting is like these three things that make people's uh, businesses fail in the first year. I failed two out of three. You did? Yeah. Like, did I, um, well, I don't want to say I failed because the market won. I'm very good at the marketing, but like setting my prices, I didn't do that well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as hiring the right people, I, I know I did not do that well. It's not that everyone that I had that worked for me was terrible. It just, do I have everybody with me still today? No. Right. Yeah, right. So, which that doesn't mean it, no. it, that's our industry, but still, um, what it means is that I've constantly been trying to learn and improve myself and get become a better business person rather than get stuck in my ways and say, this is how it is. Now, um, one of the things that I did not do with this last point is I did not set expectations when I first started bringing on employees, however many years ago that was. And um, because I was naive, I was young. I was like, I don't know, my very early thirties, maybe late twenties. And I just thought that um, if I hire the right people, cause I thought I was hiring the right people, they would just want to come in and, and do the work. Absolutely. I thought everyone was like me. Right. I did. I thought everyone was like me. Cause I didn't realize that my brain works differently. Now I do. And, um, so what that did was I, of course I had like a contract and I had rules and, and all that kind of stuff, but like it was, it, it was super loose. I just thought, oh, people will come in on time. People will clean up after themselves. People will want to get clients in. People will want to raise their prices, whatever it is. Um, but no, everyone's different and it doesn't make them wrong me right. It's just, uh, that's the thing that I mean. I had to learn more about myself and and it's in order for me to get out of that kind of stuff and still be in business today. Yeah. So it's, you know, as we talk about these topics and and the failure rate, of opening a salon, I think it's important to understand that what you just said, we need to like deep dive into ourselves mm-hmm. and understand who we are as a person and a leader and, and our weaknesses and our strengths 
before we take this big leap because before even if you bring we, other people into your world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because it is okay to have weaknesses. We, we all have them. I have yeah. them. And yeah. if you do, it's understanding what that is and hiring the right people who are going to be able to do the things that you can't. And that has yeah. been one of the biggest aha moments for me in business is bringing on the people to do what you can't. And yeah. I would like to take a moment to recognize your one fingernail that is missing. <laughs> it. <It's- laughs> Well, I'm sorry. Can you, you be picking at it? Yes. I mean, literally, you're, I was going to tell you your nails look so good. And then I was like, <laughs> what is going on with that one? I have fingernail. an appointment in two days. Okay. 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 God. I, 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 no, but I can. Shamed or what? Listen, it's so great because look at mine. Okay. I was in Nashville. Okay, last you have weekend. no nails. So I know. I it. was in Nashville last weekend and I had color stains all around them. And I would go up to random people and I'd be like, guess what I do for a living? Oh, my and they'd God. Be like, how many drinks um, in were you? A few, a few. Yeah. They'd be like, are you a botanist? Do you work with printers? I asked, I got asked if I was a welder at one point. I mean, Ooh, literally so they good. make good money. Oh they God. do. See? So anyways, um, in closing. Is it driving you nuts? I'm no. in front of the camera right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. In closing. Yeah. Um, what's our closing statement, Abby? I feel like you're so good at closing. Round it out for us. Round it out with that nail. I will run out with this now. So in closing, um, I'm sure many of you, whether you're going to be starting a, a salon or going independent, or if you're still doing it right now, we now know the three things that have accounted to people failing within that first year, 80% of people. But the thing is, is like, hopefully, I guess, cause I'm the one that talked about my failures and all of this, it shows that you don't, you can fail at one of these things. You yes, can be like multiple. doing terrible at one of these things. You know, if, if I would have had all three of those things, um, not going well, then I wouldn't be in business today, but I always made sure my finances were good. I always made sure I did good, at least marketing. I maybe didn't have my prices nailed down from the beginning. Um, did I hire well in the beginning? No. Have I figured out a, um, a structure in my business that works for me because I've learned my own personality. Yes. But so the thing is, is if you see things going south, don't accept that. Don't just be like, well, I am, I suck. I'm failing. I am not cut out for this. No, my, Kelsey and I were speaking earlier today and we talked about this one concept and one of the words that kept coming up was curiosity. Be curious. If you aren't doing well in something in your business, be curious and figure out why. Don't blame yourself. Don't think that you're not cut out for this. Be open to learning and growing and learning from your mistakes and learning about yourself. So was that a good roundup? So good. I'm so okay. proud of you. All right. Amazing. Thank you. As Thank always. You. I feel like I was tested. I feel like during this, because I didn't answer all the questions, I feel like I had to admit all of my mistakes and then I got shamed for my nails. So well, you came saw conquered. That's that's good. all. You know? Okay. All right, great. Bye. Peace out.